Welcome to the Truth Across Time podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Farmer. As a lifelong student of history and English, I enjoy learning about the cultures, customs, and lifestyles in the Bible. Please join me as we explore the fascinating world of biblical events and the people involved. You'll see that the people of the Bible had concerns, triumphs and tragedies, joys and sorrows, successes and failures, not too different from our own. But because the Bible is God's Word, we can learn spiritual, eternal truths while looking at those people. Now let's go on this adventure and explore the truths that cross the limits of time and location. Welcome back to our study. I'm excited to share with you this week as we continue our Faith in Action series. We're heading back into the New Testament, specifically the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. It's the beautiful and beloved story of Bartimaeus. This story is also recorded in the 10th chapter of Mark, verses 46 through 52, and in the 20th chapter of Matthew. By the way, Matthew reports that there were two blind men, but that's not a contradiction to what Mark and Luke say. They simply concentrated on reporting details about Bartimaeus. Since I was 12 years old until a few years ago, I had to wear contact lenses or glasses because I was very nearsighted. I'm sure many people can relate to the small irritations that come along with that, not being able to read or see things clearly, or just seeing a blurry blob in some cases without your visual aids. Thank God a dear friend gifted me with LASIK surgery a few years ago, And for the first time in many years, I could see clearly without contacts or glasses. Suddenly, the leaves of trees looked crisp and clearly outlined. I could read road signs. I could clearly see the faces of people. So, so, so many things that delighted me after dealing with poor eyesight for so many years. In those years of nearsightedness, I often wondered what it would be like to be blind. How do people learn to function independently, some of them very well, without sight? I was just nearsighted, and I felt pretty sorry for myself sometimes. I couldn't imagine how people who had no sight could cope. I didn't think I would have the courage it would take to deal with that without dissolving into self-pity. I knew a couple of blind people, and I admired their courage and determination and ability to cope and even succeed to a great degree. But I didn't think I could do it. In ancient times, actually up until the 1800s, blind people in most societies generally had a very hard time of it. In ancient times especially, there was little to no help for those who had no sight. Unless you had a family who was willing to care for you and attend to your needs, you were really in a tough spot. Most blind people in ancient times were severely handicapped in the sense of being able to function in society. Often they were reduced to begging because they couldn't find employment. Many blind people were malnourished and lived in terrible conditions as they often couldn't even find adequate shelter from the elements. Most ancient nations regarded blindness as a sort of degrading condition because of the awful hardships that it brought with it. 
That's the primary reason that gouging out the eyes of an enemy was regarded as fair retaliation for someone who had fought against or spied on another group or a nation. It wasn't at all uncommon for a nation that was victorious over another in war to demand, as a condition of surrender, that a certain number of enemy soldiers be blinded or at the very least have one eye gouged out in order to cripple part of the beaten nation's population. This was intended as punishment, of course, but also to hamper the economic and military recovery of the other nation and to instill fear in them. People in ancient days often regarded blindness as a punishment for sin. The blind, along with cripples and lepers, were outcasts and usually made to stay outside the city gates. Of course, they usually became very poor and sometimes represented a threat to people traveling into or out of a city. There were no agencies or groups to help these people, only individuals who might show pity on them sometimes and toss them a coin or two so they could buy something to eat. The blind were not allowed to participate in public religious duties or ceremonies, only in private for themselves if they could manage that. It's clear that the blind in Israel during Jesus' ministry on earth, and of course in earlier years, suffered terribly in most cases. Jesus had been engaged in his public ministry for about three and a half years when he met Bartimaeus. In fact, this encounter took place only about a week before he was crucified. It's the last healing miracle recorded in the book of Mark. Imagine Bartimaeus's situation. He's sitting outside the city walls of Jericho with other beggars and outcasts. He's probably hungry, certainly raggedy. He's probably hoping for some extra kindness and charity from people since so many people were passing through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. He hears a crowd coming. He hears the noise, the voices perhaps the stamping of animal hooves and the braying of donkeys. He knows something unusual is happening. He learns that Jesus is about to pass by. He asked someone what was going on, and he learned that Jesus, the renowned rabbi and healer, was just down the road. His excitement mounted. We don't know how much he knew about Jesus, but he had certainly heard of Jesus, and he knew his reputation. Let's see what Luke reports. This is from the 18th chapter of Luke, starting with verse 35 and going through verse 43. Then it happened as he, Jesus, was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing a multitude passing, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, Jesus asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? 
Bartimaeus said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately Bartimaeus received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Mark tells us in the 10th chapter of his book, verse 50, that Bartimaeus threw aside his garment, his cloak, as he jumped up to go to Jesus. I love this story, don't you? For several reasons, but here are just a few points that speak very loudly to me. First of all, Bartimaeus was in a degrading situation, reduced to being a beggar and an outcast. Instead of showing him kindness and helping him, most people looked down on him. His survival was in peril at all times. But, but, he had heard of Jesus. He had heard of the miracles. He may have even heard some of Jesus' teaching. We just don't know. But whatever he knew, he knew enough to cry out to Jesus, calling him Jesus, son of David. So what? Why is that important? Well, he knew that to call Jesus son of David, the title, was tantamount to acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah, whose coming had been foretold by the prophets for centuries and whose appearance had been prayed for and longed for. I think Bartimaeus knew exactly what he was saying. Secondly, Bartimaeus cried out for mercy. He was in no position to claim any privilege or make any demand. He was humble, and he asked for mercy. The people around Bartimaeus tried to make him shut up when he called out to Jesus. What did he do after they tried to get him to hush? I love this. He cried all the louder. He was determined to do all that he could do to get to Jesus, and he didn't care what people said. Jesus heard him, and Jesus stopped in his tracks for him. Bartimaeus threw aside his cloak when Jesus told him to come. So why does this matter? Well, a cloak was a precious possession to the average person, and most certainly to a beggar. It may not have been replaceable, but that cloak was the garment of a beggar. It identified him as an outcast. But when he jumped up to go to Jesus, he threw it aside. He knew his life was about to change. No longer would he be at the mercy of anyone who came along. No longer would he be a beggar, living a life of the barest, lowliest subsistence. He was about to meet the master, and his life would never be the same. We don't know Bartimaeus actually had these conscious, deliberate thoughts, but something on the inside of him knew the truth. When Jesus asked Bartimaeus what Bartimaeus wanted him to do, he said simply to receive his sight. Uh, we could go in several ways about Jesus giving sight to the blind, both physical and spiritual. But Bartimaeus was acknowledging Jesus as the healer, the great physician. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for a mansion. 
He didn't even ask for revenge on those who had treated him like dirt for years. He asked simply and humbly for his sight, and Jesus gave it to him. Jesus told Bartimaeus, your faith has made you whole or well. A blind beggar who had absolutely no status, no privileges in life, looked down on by society, interacted with Jesus, demonstrated his faith in Jesus, and the rest is history. What a beautiful story. But that's how God works, isn't it? He can take the lowest of the low or the highest of the high and do something wonderful if they will only demonstrate faith in him. Bartimaeus probably knew he had one chance, just one, to get to Jesus and to see his life turned around. He seized that chance and he let no one around him keep him from Jesus. Let us all be like that so determined to pull in close to Jesus, so intent on connecting with him that nothing and no one can stop us. Scripture, God's promise, guarantees that if we want that, no person, no circumstance, no devil can keep us from him. Please join me on my next podcast as we study more Truth Across Time. I hope this podcast encourages you to develop a closer relationship with Jesus. But if you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, I pray you will ask Him to be the Lord of your life today. God bless. See you next week.